You're listening to Bird Means Business, episode 95. Hi there, and thank you so much for tuning into Bird Means Business podcast. I am your host, Bird Williams, and y'all are going to get ready to hear such an incredible story by my girl, LA photographer, Felicia J.L. Munn. Oh my goodness, you're going to hear about how taking a pause in a pretty dramatic way gave Felicia the clarity to step into what she's doing today, photographing celebrities like Anthony Anderson and Elaine Welterworth and the like. Y'all, her work is truly stunning. And this story of how she got into photography, y'all, it really challenged me. It really made me pause and think about what I'm doing and how I can be more effective, more clear when I really make space to pause. Let me tell you a little bit about her background. So Felicia J.L. Munn is a Georgia-bred and a Los Angeles-based photographer. As a Howard University grad, Felicia pivoted to photography after spending close to a decade in finance. Since transitioning to photography full-time in 2019, her portfolio has grown over the past three years to include brands such as Netflix, Vanity Fair, Universal Music Group, and Ferrari, just to name a few. No big deal. (laughs) She's also photographed esteemed talent such as Regina King, Andrew Day, Anthony Anderson, and Sarah Paulson, and more. Felicia celebrates diversity and prides herself on creating positive imagery of those who are underrepresented. Her images are opulent yet relatable, thus showcasing an aesthetic that allows her subjects to flourish. Yes. I'm telling y'all, whenever I see her posts on Instagram, I like freak out every single time and I have to resist not doing the most in the comments because I'm so excited for her and so amazed by her work. I'm really inspired just by her story too. So again, I'm so happy to have had her on the show. And for some other background, Felicia and I go way back. We met over a decade ago during my wild and crazy days in New York City. And we've stayed connected over the years through all of our ups and downs, marriages and all the things. She's really funny and really down to earth and sincere and She's one of those people who you're like, you know what? She's a good one. She's a great person. So, hey, I won't make you wait any longer. I could go on and on about how much I love Felicia, but let's go ahead and dive into the conversation. Felicia, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Ashley. I'm happy to be here. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations on everything. You're awesome. (laughs) Um, And just so the listeners know, I already told Ashley this. I'm here because she's so awesome. So I said yes without hesitation. So thank, you, Ashley. Um, thank you, Felicia. <laughs> Seriously, you are so inspiring on so many levels. I can't wait to get into your story. And I really want to just say this, like your work is incredible. I mean, we met what? I don't even know how many years ago. Oh, we met <laughs> like 10, 11. It was probably close to 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. It had to be. It had to be close to 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In New York City, we were doing completely different things with our lives. And here we are. Fast forward. Just so to see your incredible work as you posted on social media, it's just like, oh my gosh. And then you see me in the comments, right? I'm like, yeah, all the emojis. The you're in the comments. <laughs> I am strong There's in the a, comments. Yeah, there are a few people that I can count on to hype me up when I post something. <laughs> you are one of them. <laughs> I am so amazed. I really want to learn or the listeners to learn how you got started in photography and to really kind of just share a little bit of your startup story. Okay. So 
I had thought about this for a long time because I told Ashley this, I can go on tangent. So I'm going to try not to do that. And I will start off by saying my background is not in photography. I have a degree in accounting, went to Howard, HU, shout out to all the HU alums. And I worked in finance for about eight years. And now that I am a photographer, it's a lot easier for me to look back on my life and see how I got here because this was not the plan. I did not know I was going to be a photographer. So as they say, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So I am speaking from a place of hindsight, not from a place of like intention. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when I have that in mind and I think about when I was a kid, I was always really creative. Um, I loved art. I was in art clubs, art schools. I loved painting, drawing. And then naturally, as I got older, I kind of transitioned into taking photos. But this was with disposable cameras and not necessarily at the time, bigger SLR film cameras or digital cameras. It was disposable. You go to the CPS, you go to the counter, get your disposable camera, you're out the door. And so I kind of transitioned to that because that was a quick and easy way to express my artistic self without continuing formal training of drawing and painting and being artsy. It was just like camera on the go. And then that kind of progressed to once I was graduating high school, I asked my dad, he asked me what I wanted as graduation gift. And I told him a real camera instead of always having a disposable camera. And so I literally went to Best Buy with my cousin is when you went to the store to actually shop for something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I went to Best Buy. We went to the camera section and we were in there trying out every camera, like just picking it up. You take the picture and you see what it looks like. And we landed on a Nikon. I didn't know Nikon was one of the bigger brands at the time. I was just like, this one takes good pictures. And it was a little point and shoot. So, you know, a couple hundred dollars. And so my dad got me that. I took that to college. I had it everywhere with me. I always had my camera. I took pictures all the time. Again, like I said, this is in hindsight. This is not, I was on this path with intention. It was just like, I enjoy taking pictures and this is what I do. I was still an accounting major. I was still hating my major. I was still going to these classes, dreading it. (laughs) But I always had my camera with me and I went to school in DC. I photographed Barack Obama's inauguration. Wow. All of that to lose my camera along with all of the photos. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, I lost. I actually lost that camera twice. The first time was, and this is a longer story for another day. (laughs) The first time was on spring break in London. I was there for like a part of a college program. Wow. Friends and I went out to enjoy London, lost my camera. We got it back. We ended up finding, again, this is a long story, but end up finding a bouncer from a club who had the camera. Very long story. Wow. Got the camera back. And then I'm so happy. And then senior year, go to Miami, spring break again, lose the camera indefinitely. Like it's still to be recovered oh, one no. day, hopefully. along with all the pictures, because I was not good at archiving at the time. And I, my way of saving was keeping pictures on the memory chip and putting them with the camera in the camera bag. And they all stayed together. So if you can't tell, like I'm still hopeful that one day this <laughs> camera and these pictures will be recovered. <laughs> yes. But anyway, so that was college. A lot of my college memories were photographed, but they don't exist anymore. And then (laughs) I graduated. (laughs) I graduated college. I actually tried to take a photography class in college when I had time in my schedule senior year. And I was like, oh, let me take some art classes because I kind of knew I liked art stuff, but just didn't know it enough to realize that was myself Mm -hmm. or that's who I truly was. 
And that didn't work out because I found out you had to have a, a bigger camera and you had to pay for it. And I was like, wait, you don't have cameras. You can just loan out. So, so I'm not taking this class because they want me to buy a camera. And so then when I graduated college, I used my graduation money, bought my first DSLR camera. Again, wow. this is in hindsight. Like I'm seeing all the pieces. Right. Bought my first DSLR camera. And so I'm like, all right, I work in corporate finance. But my hobby is photography. Like I was in this mindset of you have your day to day, nine to five or whatever, eight to seven, whatever hours you work job. And then I do photography for fun. Like that's just how life works. You have real job, then you have fun Mm. outside of that. I was separating the two and I would take photos. I started taking photography classes in Chicago at like this immersive photography school for like extreme hobbyists or like second career adults. Mm-hmm. And I would do, I took classes close to every day. I would leave work and I had a two hour commute from where I, where I was in Chicago. But wow. I, yeah. And I would leave work and I would drive all the way to these classes. And this was the highlight of my day. And I would take these classes, learn the camera. I was signing up for stuff, not knowing what I was doing. Like I signed up to shoot a wedding and I barely knew how to work the camera. And it was a disaster, y'all. <laughs> It was. So this place sent out an email and they were asking for photographers on a budget because they were on a budget. So they reach out to the school because they can get people for a little or nothing. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to pay me. I'll just take additional photos like you still get a real photographer and I'll just take extra pictures. Well, I get there and the real photographer is late. And so everybody's looking at me like I'm the photographer. I barely know how to turn this camera on. The bride is getting ready. Bride's getting ready. And I'm just like, you look great. You look great. And I'm just snapping pictures. Everything's turning out black. Oh, my God. But I wouldn't show them. I wouldn't show them while she was getting ready. I was just like, you look amazing. Yes, do that. You look incredible. Because I'm like, this is her big day. I got to figure out what I'm doing, but I don't want her to panic. Right. I don't know. (laughs) And so, like, the planner's coming up to me. And she's like, when the bride starts to walk down here, can you get shots like this? And I was like, sure, we can incorporate that. In the meantime, I'm calling the school. I'm like, can somebody please help me figure out this camera? But they're not open because it's like seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. The real photographer finally shows up right as they are about to walk down the aisle. Like he's missed the whole exit from getting dressed. He's missed Uh the whole, all of that. And I'm like, can you please just set my camera? And then I'll just take pictures. Like just set it, like just turn everything on and set it. And so he does that and he starts to like, tell me where to go. And we like work as a team to take pictures from there. So that was like, I was like, I'm never doing that again. Like I, I learned really quickly. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I guess, I guess he had to deal with the backlash once the bride realized that. I don't know. I mean, cause the family was just so nice. Like they started to invite me to family barbecues. They were extremely nice. This is where wow. I go. And so I'm kind of also thankful that they were just so nice. I don't <laughs> even think they noticed. And I think they were just happy that I ended up giving them extra photos at no cost. Because mm-hmm. once, it, you know, he did set the camera, I was able to take pictures as I normally would. And they just right. basically had a bunch of family photos. But that was an experience wow. that was a crash course and what not to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that was after college while you were working in Chicago. And then what happened after that? And then after that, I kind of got into the grind of working every day. I ended up moving to New York. And then photography kind of fell more into like a hobby. And when I had time, it wasn't as something I dedicated myself to as often, like in my free time. But I still noticed how 
even that helped me get to where I am because I was still learning, but it was just at a much slower pace. And family and friends knew I loved taking photos. So they would still reach out and be like, oh, can you shoot so-and-so's graduation pictures? Or can you shoot these family photos? So I was still shooting. It just wasn't as intentional. And it just ended up being this years of learning Mm. and getting me to where I am now. So by the time I got to deciding that I wanted to be a photographer, I was very good at like working the camera and knowing how to take pictures because it was like second nature. I was already doing it all the time. It's just my, the type of photography I hadn't narrowed down on. So I had family photos, travel photos, just a wide variety, wedding pictures, graduation pictures, a wide variety of pictures. And it wasn't like, I just knew I was going to be a photographer. So that came a little later and it really just took time for me to know myself and be more mature to realize I'm actually decent at this and I really like doing this, like enough that I'll figure it out. That just took time and growth that I just didn't know that at 22 when I graduated college. Yeah. That's so good. And and I love what you said about like it wasn't wasted or like that time when even kind of like died off. You were still learning and you were still getting your toolbox. Yeah. Like I I just think about someone who might be listening, who might be resonating with your story and thinking, man, I feel like I have a passion that's kind of like a side hustle or something that I do as a hobby. And I don't want to waste time. Like, have I wasted time? So I love that you pointed that out. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't know what path you're on. You think you're supposed to do one thing and then you realize you actually spend a lot of time also doing something else and building a skill set in another lane that could be useful to doing something else. And now it's just the case for me when so I was working in finance and then I don't know, one day, one week, I don't know what it was. I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just like, I'm tired of working in finance. I felt like... I knew I was a creative person and I just felt like I wasn't being myself. And I also felt like anything that I had tried to do, I hadn't really failed. Mm. Not saying I was great, but it was just like, I'm doing something that I don't really like to do and I'm doing okay. So what if I do something I like to do and do okay? Right. (laughs) Or or do even better. Or better, right. But I'm just like, just okay. Like if I can do okay at something I don't like doing, When I say I did not like accounting, (laughs) which is why I ended up being in finance, because, you know, they look at comparable skills and they're like, okay, you can't be an accountant, then be in finance. Like Mm -hmm. that was the shift. It was not because I had a strong interest. (laughs) But even that time, fast forward a little bit, even that time in finance helped me with being a business person now without realizing it. Like I worked in finance. So when it comes to budgets, I can do them in my sleep. I can think about them. I memorize all the numbers. It's in my heart. So... I really just attribute that to the years that I spent crunching numbers for Mm -hmm. so long and managing money and managing budgets and tracking numbers. So that Mm -hmm. kind of made the transition much easier. Yeah. Wow. So when was that moment where you realized, okay, I'm going to go for it? What was that switch? I know you said you just got tired of it. Um, What did that look like? Did you just quit cold turkey and go straight into photography? Or did you say, well, let me figure it out? I know you said that you're trying to figure out, well, what do I want to do? How did that look? Yes. So somehow or another, my husband and I convinced ourselves that we were going to move to Paris. Ashley already knows this. She's like, come on, tell us. (laughs) We convinced ourselves that we were going to move to Paris. So when I decided to quit my job, I was like, I'm quitting and I'm moving to Paris, period. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) That's amazing. And I was also okay with that because I felt like so much around us tells us you always have to know 
mm-hmm. what your next step is, or you always have to know what you're doing. And I was to a point where I was like, I've always tried to know. Now I'm actually okay with not knowing, and I know it'll be okay. I know I'm going to figure it out. But right now, I don't want to do this, and I want to move to France. That was it. <laughs> amazing. And just trust the process. Yeah, just trust the process. Like, I just wanted to live in the moment for a second. I felt like I was always living for what's next. Mm-hmm. You set a goal, you go to college, okay? And then you get in college, and you're the whole time you're thinking about, what are you going to do when you get out of college? Mm-hmm. Then you get out of college, you get a job, you get the job you want. And it's like, okay, well, what about the next job? Or what about my promotion? Or it was always like, Something else. Yeah, yeah, something else and living in the future. And I was just like, right now, I just need a break. I don't know what I'm doing next. I just want to move to Paris and I want to enjoy living in Paris, literally enjoy it and not think about what I'm doing after that. And honestly, that's slightly a privilege. Like that's not something everybody can do. But thankfully, we had worked up to the point where we were in the position to do that. We had saved some money and that was the situation we set up for ourselves to where we didn't have to think about it for a little bit. And mm-hmm. we're young, we didn't have any kids, still don't have any kids. So we could be a little more unconventional about our approach to life. <laughs> that is beautiful and so powerful. I mean, I can't even tell you how much that speaks to me. And I remember it speaking to me then when you did it. I remember, you know, seeing a y'all movie to Paris and, you know, the questions are like, oh, what are you doing there? Where are you working? That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody said. They're like, so what are you going to do when you get back? So where are you going to work? So uh-huh. wait, you're just moving? But what are you going to do when you get back? Even my job when I quit. They were like, so are you coming back here? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, and for you at such a young age to value that and to take that leap, I mean, I think it's huge. I I mean, I think that courage can show itself in different ways. I know when we launched the gym, there are so many people who were like, y'all are crazy. Y'all are so young. Mm -hmm. And we had read this book that was like nothing to lose, everything to gain, something like that. Mm And it was kind of like what you're talking about. It's like, look, we're going to just go and just trust the process and do it. And like, it, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> I was exactly. like, the worst that can happen is it doesn't work out and I have to get another job. Exactly. So, <laughs> Which you can do and you can do okay at. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So you were in Paris mm-hmm. and then did you do any photography while you were there? Yeah. So the... One benefit that I see now of making that change and moving there is then I had the freedom and space and capacity to then realize what I actually like to do and what I did very often and what I was decent at because I didn't have other things clouding my judgment and taking up my time. I literally was responsible for my whole day. And that actually gave me slight panic attacks the first month or so because I was not used to not having something to do. Like I was not used to dictating my own schedule. Like you think about people are in school, there's always somebody telling you what to do with your time. And then now I'm waking up every day with nobody telling me what to do with my time and I had to figure it out. And so because I enjoyed taking pictures and photography, like that was like a natural transition. Like I was like, well, I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to take travel photos. I'm going to do a travel blog because we're here and, you know, that's all like in like content creation type space. So I'm doing videos and I'm taking pictures to fill up my time because just sitting around isn't something I wanted to do. And I would say that moment happened when I did a photo shoot for a brand in Paris and I was taking photos. We were near the Eiffel Tower and it was this one shot, like I still remember to this day, where I didn't even take it yet, but I saw it in the viewfinder and I just had chills. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm doing this. I'm going to be a photographer. I do this all the time. Wow. (laughs) And so I was also in a space where I could see 
people making a living as a photographer. And I didn't know that before. I didn't know outside of wedding photos and Mm -hmm. school photos that people were photographers and they made a living doing it. It seems like it may be obvious because you see all these billboards, you see all these ads and you see all this content that you're flooded with all the time. But I don't know, at least for me, I didn't always make the connection between there is a person who created this content. Right. And then now, because I have all this, the world is opened up and I have all this time and space and I see things differently. I'm like, wait, people are actually doing this. I'm decent. I think I can give it a try. That's like, so when our visa's up in Paris, I don't want to go back to doing finance. I'm going to try to be a photographer and just see what works out. And like, I'd rather not at least try and see what happens. I would see photos that people would be getting paid money for. And I'm like, I can do that. I can <laughs> yeah. do that. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> wow. How incredible yeah. is it that you creating that space and that freedom, how enlightening it was, how much clarity it gave you. I mean, that's so powerful. And I hope folks listening really catch on to that. Like myself, me, myself, I'm thinking about how can I carve out some space or time? I mean, I know it's a little bit crazier over here with all the kids and all the things, but still like I need clarity in certain areas of my life. And it might be, though it seems so hard or crazy moving to Paris. I mean, I don't see us doing that, but there's something I can do um, that can feel a little crazy or hard to still carve out time and space. So that's really, really beautiful, Felicia. Yeah. And sometimes it's as easy as when you are feeling the need to just stop and slow down, then just do that. Just stop and slow down. Like, even if that means, okay, this weekend, I'm not doing anything. I'm literally not doing any. I still have weekends like that. If you just need to sit on the sofa, binge watch your shows, or you just need to go on a walk, or you just need to sit in your special room that in your apartment in your house that just makes you feel good, turn your phone on silent put it on do not disturb, even if it's just for a whole day, like even that helps sometimes. Yes. Wow. Love that so much. So you went from that, you dove right in after kind of having that moment, which I love how you described. And then when you got back, y'all were in Atlanta when you went to Paris, right? But then we came back and moved to LA, right? Yes. After Paris, we moved to Los Angeles. And that was a conversation my husband and I had trying to figure out what cities we were going to move back to. He's from Detroit. I'm from Atlanta. I had lived in Chicago. We both had lived in New York. We met in DC. So we kind of had small roots in multiple cities. Yeah. But then as we talked about how I wanted to pursue photography more and the style of photography I wanted to shoot, I was like, I think New York and LA are good markets to be in. New York is cold. LA is not. So we landed on LA. Because the weather's nicer. Right. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. You know, I know all about that New York, those blizzards. Yeah. No, ma'am. No, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. So you moved to LA and then you just kind of got to it. How did you kind of put yourself out there? When did you kind of see like a turning point in your, your career? I feel like I'm just living in hindsight all the time. Because I think one important thing to note for anybody who is has a small business or they're thinking about getting a small business. It's like sometimes you are in the motion of being on the right path and you don't realize it. You may not know that there's a turning point because you are in the mix of figuring it out and doing it. Like there's not always time to like reflect. So some of the answers that I'm giving today, this is my moment to reflect because (laughs) I don't know all the time. (laughs) Right. So yeah, when we moved to LA, I didn't know anything outside of how to pick up a camera and take a picture. But there is a whole business side to being a photographer, specifically a commercial photographer, editorial photographer, advertising photographer. 
or even a wedding photographer. Like there's a whole business that's separate yeah. from, you know, how to work a camera and you have a good eye. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time just trying to. So first I went into it with a business mind. Like I have to get clients, you know, I'm a photographer. So how do I get clients? And so I would go to random events in LA, anything that I thought somebody would need a photographer. I went to makeup conferences. I like made up a fake small business to go to a business like this. No, I made up a fake small fashion business to go to some fashion conference because I was like, oh, they need pictures. And when I say made up a fake, I made up a website, got some business cards and registered. Like, <laughs> I love it. So I was thinking the way that I get clients is I have to meet people and I have to go to where they are and where will people who need a photographer, where would they be? So like, it was a lot of that and it was not working. That strategy was not working at all. And so then I was like, well, maybe I need to speak to photographers that know what they're doing and they're doing what I want to do. And I would try to reach out and to assist. And in the beginning, I wasn't getting any yeses. Like people will respond, you know, positively and give me advice, but I hadn't really found someone that would say yes to me assisting. So then I started telling photographers I was willing to pay them for their time to like teach me lighting. And it was genuine. I was just, you know, they're busy. I don't want them to think that I'm just going to use their time and not be respectful of it. So one thing I want to get better at is lighting because I'm thinking I have to know everything. So newsflash, you don't know have to know, you don't know have to know everything at all. Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to know everything. Right. And so I'm like, all right, I want to be, you know, a big time photographer. I know I take pictures, but I don't really know how to light everything. So maybe I'll just ask these photographers for workshops on how to light. And I had one photographer, Eric Humphrey. I'm going to shout him out every time. I'm never going to forget this. He actually forgot and I had to remind him how we met, but I DM'd him and he responded and he was like, well, you, he was like, I don't do workshops, but you're more than welcome to come on a shoot and just learn in real time. Wow. And I, was like, I almost dropped my phone. I was like, <laughs> he don't even know me. Like I could be a crazy person. And he's like, just come on set and just learn. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. What day? What time? Right. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. And so that was a turning point. Once I started assisting Eric and then eventually other photographers, like the amount of information that I was able to learn quickly and like without really any risk because I'm not the photographer, like I'm showing up to help. So I'm like fly on the wall, seeing how people are interacting, even understanding like the vocabulary and the language between a photographer and a client, a photographer and assistants, learning the positions that help a photographer, like assistants digital tech, different equipment, all of that was just like crash course to being a photographer. So that was a huge turning point. And when I realized, this is when I realized, oh, I don't need to know how to do everything. There are people who do this and I find the right people to help me execute this. That's when I was like, oh, I can legit do this. It's going to be okay. Wow. And you know what? I know I've told you this before. You do such an incredible job of shouting people out. Like you're always shouting out your camera guy or whoever, all the different people that are helping you and assisting. It's just like really beautiful and important, I think, to do that. Yeah. So thank you to all the photographers that let me assist. I already shout out Eric, shout out Dana Scruggs, shout out Matt Sales for always giving me tips. Who else? Parrish. Shout out to Parrish for helping me out. So That's that's beautiful. And I want to pull out two things you said. One thing you said is that I was figuring it out. I was like going and figuring it out. 
and I was trying to execute on one plan, but then maybe it wasn't working. So I tried something else. I think that's so huge. I find that so many people get stuck because they don't even start. You know what I mean? They don't even start. They don't even put their, themselves out there. You built a whole website for like a fake company to register for something to just put your, to get your feet in the door. Like that says so much to your hustle and to your intentionality about it. Whereas I, I see so many people who are like, I want to start a business, but I'm nervous about a website. It's like, just do it. Just start the process, get on Squarespace, look at the packages. You know, you have a 30 day free trial, just get on there, start putting stuff up. You know what I mean? Just start. And then the momentum will start to build and you'll start to feel like, okay, I can do this. And then you'll, you'll get more excited. You'll get more opportunities because you actually start. So I think that's so key, right? Start, even though you don't have it all figured out, just start. Yeah, just start and know you're going to fail and just be okay with that and get the failing over. With. Is that a right way to say that? Get the I know what you mean. Over with fast. Fail fast. I know that's like yeah. somebody's book or something. Yeah. But the sooner you can get the fail part of your journey out the way, like the sooner you will be on the path you want to be on. And so you have to also go into it with the mindset of you're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. Just don't take forever to do it. And right. I think for me, and also, you got to realize I was an adult. I was married. Like I have bills. So there's also this part of this, like, I don't have time because I'm not making any money. Like right. I'm, I'm not making any money. And I was, I did not go into photography to make a lot of money. Like I was going into it because I genuinely enjoy doing it. And I was like, I just want to do something that I like to do and I'm really good at. But not making any money was not an option. Right. But zero is not the option. So right. If anyone is in the same type of mindset that I was in under the pressure of being able to survive, then yes, you will be like, okay, I think there are people there who can pay me. How can I get in there? Right. What exactly. do I have to do to get in there? Exactly. <laughs> Within but- reason, you know, we're not going to do anything illegal. Within reason. And so that's how that came about. I was like, I just need a business. I just need, and to prove I have a business, you need a website and a business card. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just huge in terms of your tenacity. And I mean, it says so much to where you are today. The other thing I wanted to point out is how you said you got into close proximity with people who were doing what you were trying to do. I think yes. that's huge. You know, I mean, every business is different and everyone has different resources and all of that. But something that we did with the league, our gym business too, was Terry was working at another gym. Sean Mata, I'll shout him out. He let Terry go in there and actually work, have clients. So he was able to kind of see how a gym business as a small business would run and stuff like that. So to anyone out there listening and thinking about getting into a specific type of business, finding someone who's in that space that you could go, like you said, assist or just help. How can I help you? Because there's a small business owner who would love some help, right? So offering that to them and then being able to learn from them is huge. I love that you brought that up. So you have worked with some incredible talent, which is just so amazing, like Anthony Anderson and Elaine Weltworth. And so when you're working with them, do you ever feel intimidated as you're working with these celebrities or big brands or what you did with the other photographers you shouted out? Did that kind of help you? How does that work? So I'm not someone who's easily starstruck. So I think that helps too. Like I approach everybody pretty much the same. I like to think I'm a pretty friendly, down-to-earth person. You are. (laughs) Celebrities are also people. They have a life that isn't, you know, the same as like everyday people may understand. They may be in the media a little bit more, but they're still people. They eat, breathe, sleep, you Mm -hmm. know, all the same. And so I think that's how I go into every shoot. It's like, I'm meeting someone new today. I'm meeting somebody I've never met before. Like, let me say hello. Like, I'm not necessarily, I don't know, maybe it's just my personality. And I think 
by me not being so easily starstruck, it makes it a little easier to be in those situations. Why I'm not so easily starstruck, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th- no, I wouldn't say I'm intimidated, but there are times where I walk into a shoot and I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I just talk myself into? Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how did I get myself in this situation? Am I really ready to like do this type of shoot? I do have moments sometimes at the beginning of shoots. And the way that I cope with that is I just remind myself that I take pictures. And I'm like, Felicia, just take the picture. Like, just pick up the camera and just take photos. And that usually simplifies it a little bit for me. Yeah. And then I know once I get behind the camera, I'll get comfortable and I'll get into my rhythm and then everything will be fine. But sometimes there is that moment when I walk into some sets and I'm just like, whoo, what are we doing here today? Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know okay. what I said, but they, they seem to like it. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's I love that kind of what you can tell yourself. Hey, Felicia, just pick up the camera, take a picture. Right. Yeah. So, like at the end of the day, I'm taking photos. Like, yes. So I think for anyone out there listening who might have some of that imposter syndrome come up when yeah. it comes to whatever in your business, just having something you just tell yourself, hey. This is what I'm doing. I'm good at this. You know, I validated this. Let's go and just get get that confidence you need. So what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from photography? And I guess this is more specifically for anyone like who would be in the photography world or, you know, have a business related to photography. Do you have some big lessons learned? I'm just looking at my notes because I remember you, you told me that was going to be a question. And I was like, what did I say? Because that's <laughs> another question where it's like, I know I'm kind con- so I'm still learning and I know I'm constantly learning. But I always feel like it'd be helpful to give somebody like one big piece of advice. The biggest thing is that I'm still learning. Yeah. And I already mentioned this one time, but I didn't need to know everything. Um, And there's a lot of pressure when starting. Like there's so much that you have to have prepared and do and planned out in the very beginning. And I didn't need that. I didn't have it. But I also was happy when I found out that I didn't need it because it made it a lot easier to just keep going and build along the way. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Especially what you said around, you're still learning. I'm sorry, I had to think about what I was going to say. You're still learning. I just had a challenge and I was telling, someone asked about learning and understanding, like trying to know everything. And I was like, you won't. And I told them I have a literal line item in my budget that's continuing education or continued education, right? For me in my business where I'm taking courses or something to like improve my knowledge. And so I love that you said that you're constantly learning because any entrepreneur is going to need to have that for sure. Yeah. Oh, and another thing, have a good team. I mean, you mentioned I always give shout outs. I have a bunch of assistants and Digitex that I work with and we don't have time for me to list all of them. You know who you are. So thank you to all of you. But that's probably top two. I'll say top five because I'm probably missing something. Things <laughs> that I've learned is like having a team around me to help me execute a shoot is like so beneficial. Like it's to the point where like if there's a shoot at a certain level or that requires, you know, has a certain size scope, I won't do it if I can't have like a team because I know it's it's not like I'm only one person. And I know many times people try to think that they can carry the weight of a lot of things, but it makes the process so much easier when you can focus on the thing you need to focus on and you have other people to focus on other aspects because then if things go left if they go right if they go north if they go south if they go anywhere besides where they're supposed to go <laughs> you can kind of help troubleshoot without the other parts falling yes. to the side because you have other people to like hold that piece together so I like working with the team because it just it's like 
I got backup. Felicia, this is so good because I talk about this a lot on the show and I can't tell you how sometimes like pulling teeth to help entrepreneurs accept that in order to grow their business, they're going to have to grow a team. They're going to have to have a team, have to have support because yes, while you're a solopreneur and it's just you in the beginning, you might be doing all the things, the admin, the janitorial, the, you know, financial stuff, all this stuff, right? The teaching, whatever it is, as you grow, you have more clients, you have a bigger audience, whatever it looks like, you're going to have to focus on your core competency in order to like really grow the business. You're going to have to outsource, whether it's to an assistant, like a you know, executive assistant or to even just like a bookkeeper, you know, things yeah. like that you shouldn't be doing. Like you said that you're really good with Excel and numbers and data. No, but I got a bookkeeper this year. I got one. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's, Same so. here. I have a finance background. When I first <laughs> launched the league, I was doing all the QuickBooks. I thought it was cute. I was all excited mm-hmm. to get it. And then it real old, real quick. Yeah. I was like, and I'm going to be hiring a bookkeeper because I am months behind on this because I have too much going on because the business was rapidly growing. Yeah. So you're going to have to have a really good team. And again, that's something that you can grow over time, but you have to start to get your mindset to the place of, okay, like you said, you were like, I realized I didn't have to do it all myself. I could hire other people and that made it so much more realistic. And like, I was more motivated to do it. So some people could be stuck just because they're looking at all the things that they had to do. And they're like, I can't do this. Well, then think about hiring other people on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I have one more question I want to ask. Were there any life adjustments you had to make to kind of make this dream business a reality? I just, that's not really a question I've ever asked anyone on the show, but I I know that's a lot of the questions I've gotten, like in the challenge that I just did, like how to adjust your life for entrepreneurship. So were there any that you had to make? Yeah. So that was probably one of my favorite questions that I saw that you sent me and the re and so how much time we still got? We're good. We're good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like I got to answer for this. Um, Good. So the tricky part is, you know, once I decided to be a photographer, I use the word dream loosely because sometimes I realize I have been living my dream and it has not been what I dreamed it to be. You know, like, and the reason I say that is my work started to pick up in the middle of a pandemic last year, 2020. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of life adjustments. One, just dealing with the pandemic in general, but then two, Everything that I had learned from assisting, it all came crashing at me because now I needed to execute these things with fewer resources because there is a pandemic. Okay, Mm -hmm. and so I didn't really know how to handle that at first, but I had to figure it out because I'm like, this is what I want to do. So on top of having a pandemic, I pretty much didn't have any social life. So when we talk about adjustments, Mm -hmm. I literally made a point not to meet up with people and not see people because I did not want to risk getting COVID because I'm like, I have worked really hard to get to this point to get these jobs. And now I have these brands and these people reaching out to me to take their photo. I am not going to get sick and not be there. there. (laughs) Drinks will have to wait. Hanging out will have to wait. And I pretty much was all into like work and growing my business, growing my art, growing my craft, like all of that. Sometimes it got a little lonely because like, you know, I have friends that I want to hang out with, a family I want to see, but I just had to make that choice and that sacrifice. Like this is not the time. And it's unfortunate that it's in the middle of a pandemic, but I'm like, if people are reaching out, then I need to respond and I need to be available. The other thing was Black Lives Matter, like, picked up. Yeah. So that was another thing that's happening while I'm, quote unquote, living my dream. So these are two things that I would not want to happen while I'm doing a thing that I want to do. But I had to realize I have to go with the flow. Like, I can't always dictate how life is going to go. I can't dictate 
how my future is going to unfold. I can't dictate what the surrounding factors and surrounding environment are going to be. I just have to adjust. And I bring that up because I started to get more responses once George Floyd was killed. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was because I was a Black photographer. Mm-hmm. I knew that. And I own that because I was like, well, if you know, you're know you looking for Black photographers, I'm a Black photographer. I didn't necessarily say it that way, but I was very aware of it. And mm-hmm. I remember one of my first assignments was photographing a protest. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I was very excited because I'm like, okay, now finally, because I would have meetings and, you know, people would ask, well, who else have you photographed for? And I didn't have anybody. It's like nobody. So it was this sense that I needed to have work elsewhere for them to trust that I could do the job. So when I finally got this, it wasn't the ideal scenario. Like it wasn't what I would have wanted my first job to be photographing what I consider black pain and black trauma. Like that's not the realm that I'm in. Right. That's just the case. And I remember when it came out, I cried mm. and they caught me off guard. But then I just remember not really being happy because I was like, why is it like this is my come up? Like, why is my come up off this? Like, I know Ooh, I want to be yes. a photographer, but like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to shoot this. I just remember I had like a good 15 minutes of just not feeling it. And I was like, I'm, I'm not shooting this. I was like, anybody who wants me to shoot black pain and black trauma, like I'm not shooting it. You got to call somebody else. And I respect all photographers. And people who document protests, marches, revolutions, all that. Because it, it takes a special type of emotion and thick skin to be in that environment and separate yourself. And I wasn't always feeling like I was capable of doing that because I'm like, I'm also a Black person. Like, I'm also feeling this as a person, but right. this is also my job. Right. So Ooh. it's like, I don't know what to tell you, but this ain't right. Like, right. I found myself when I was shooting in these moments, always seeking out the joyful parts of mm-hmm. Black expression. Like even when I was going to the protest, I was avoiding, many times I was avoiding the painful parts because I was like, I just felt like the media like was jumping on to. Yes. Like we've been saying this for years and like now it's like, okay, let's highlight this. And it, it may not even have been intentional, but from my perspective and one thing that I was very proud of is like, okay, well, I am a Black person. I'm in this space and time that I didn't have a choice on, but how am I going to just use my craft to showcase this time? And I was like, well, I'm going to photograph it the way I want to photograph it because I am a Black person. I, excuse me. I have a perspective. And that was just my approach to it. And so this was all last year, 2020, when I went from first part of the year, not really having any jobs to all of a sudden having jobs and understanding again, where like this was another turning point, understanding where that turning point came from and kind of accepting it for what it was, going with it. But then I knew I was like, well, okay, this may be my entry point into the door for some of these situations and projects. But I was like, that's, this is not going to be the reason I stay. I'm going to make sure I, you know, when I do get on these shoots, like I'm going to kill it. Okay. Like yeah. I'm going to do a phenomenal job. Yeah. Me again. And they know that I'm a good photographer and I need to be here. Not because I'm just, you know, black and I'm a woman. Like it's like, oh, she's actually good at what she does. She has a good eye. That was my take on it. So when you talk about adjustments, right. there was a lot that I had to adjust. Like I had to adjust my mindset. I had to adjust how I was living. It was just a lot that had to go into when I realized, oh, this is, well, if you want to be a photographer right now in 2020 during the pandemic and Black Revolution, this is what you got to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's yeah. 
incredibly powerful. And I really resonate so much with what you said. And I'm so grateful for you to share that. So transparent. That was a lot, like all of that. Yeah. I know so many small businesses, you know, had to deal with all the things that was happening with not only the pandemic, but with the racial injustice conversation. And it definitely hit different for black owned businesses and black people, mm-hmm. because you're trying to run your business. Like you said, it's your job, but you're also like experiencing your own trauma and having to work through all of that. Yeah. At the same time. It was a lot. So thank you so much for sharing that. And like I said, I'm just so inspired by you and inspired by your story on so many levels. Not Thank only that you. you're doing such incredible work that I literally just like jump out of my seat when I see on Instagram, <laughs> but also like how you came to it. You came to it because you chose to rest. You chose to pause. You chose to, you know, trust the process and just say, whatever's supposed to happen will happen, but I'm going to enjoy this moment in my life as I'm living in Paris. And, and to have that moment there is just so incredible and so special. So I mean, even when you say that, that just sounds so like, even I'm going to enjoy this moment when I'm living in Paris. Like I know that's the way it happened, but it just sounds so glorified. Like, so people know that's how Ashley this too. (laughs) I was like, I had this vision when I was in Paris that I was going to be living it up, buying all the bags, Everything got my croissant, my baguette, my wine, <laughs> big sh- sunglasses all the time, and that was not it. Okay, we were living in Paris on a budget. Okay, you know, granted, it was a great experience, but just when you said that phrase, I was like, "Oh, that sounds so fancy." I know. <laughs> I totally feel that. I was like, I mentioned to you when I was in Milan, same thing, very different experience than I, what yeah. I thought it was, but it still had its beautiful moments. And yeah. It was so positive. I love that. You are such a light. You really are. And I'm just oh, so, so honestly honored to have you here on the show. I know you don't do it for everybody. So I feel really, really special. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm just so inspired by your story. And I know our listeners will be too. So I want to make sure that folks who've heard your story and hear all of the amazing things you're up to know how to connect with you online and basically connect and keep in touch. So where's the best place for people to connect with you? I'd say... Two main places are Instagram and my website. So Instagram is Felicia J Photography. And that's Felicia with a P as in pepper. So P-H-Y-L-I-C-I-A-J as in Jordan (laughs) Photography. So Felicia J Photography. And then the website is FeliciaJPhotography.com. I love it. I will take both of those links and put them in the show notes. So for anyone listening, you can just scroll right down wherever you're listening to click those links in the show notes to connect with Felicia online. Thank, Thank you. you so Wait, much. no, I also have to give you your shout out. So anyone who listens to this, because whenever it comes out, I'm going to post it. Ashley is amazing. Okay. So let me tell you, she was an investment banker. Okay. Big time in New York. <laughs> then she quit, moved to Texas, got married, started a gym with her husband is it still two gyms? No, we consolidated to one. Consolidated gym. one. Started a gym. Now she's like a business strategist slash consultant. Has three children. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea how she has all these hats in her life. So that's why I'm like, she's phenomenal. She reached out. I was like, of course, because you got your life together. Maybe help me get my life together. <laughs> So, Thank you. so yes. You're too kind. It is all the grace of God. I don't know how we do it either, girl. It's lit over here. But again, I'm honestly so inspired by people like you. And it just makes me excited to be able to share the space with you. And I hope that all of my listeners connect with you soon. Yes. Same here. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. Yay. I mean, that girl, she is such a beautiful soul. I hope that you connect with Felicia online and follow her work. Like I said, it is truly stunning. 
I'll be sure to link all of her information in the show notes of this episode. And I really want you to do something. I want you to think about the power of your pause. I really want to encourage you to really take some space this week to really think about what that could look like for you and what it could mean for your future. As always, thank you so much for tuning into Bird Means Business Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. Also, tell every entrepreneur you know about this episode so that they can learn from Felicia too. Talk to y'all next week. Bye.